Oh, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. This is episode 59 of my little weekly hockey show where I go through all the major news in the NHL and I focus in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, but I can talk about any of the 32 teams in this league. I don't get to watch every single game because I don't have 4 million hours in a day, but still, big ol' hockey fans, so let's get into this shit. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we got some Toronto Maple Leaf news to talk about, we got some Calgary Flames news to talk about, Seattle Kraken news, and we are go- I'm going to go through the signings and stuff like that throughout the last week or so, and then we're going to have a little bit of fun, and we'll finish off the show. We're going to go through my predictions for last season, and we're going to have ourselves a good little laugh with that and see how very awful my predictions were going into last season, so we'll be <laughs> finishing off with that. That'll be a ton of fun, but... What is not a ton of fun is the news coming out of Toronto right now. So Ilya Samsonov, Samsonov, whatever you want to call him, whatever he decides he wants to be called this year, we got a problem here, folks. So Samsonov is not signed yet. He has an arbitration hearing this Friday and um, a big discrepancy in the amount of money wanting to be handed out. So Samsonov coming out and saying that he is seeking $4.9 million per season. Wow. And the Leafs countering with their offer at around $2.4 million. This being reported by Elliot Friedman. So it's pretty legit. And that is a massive difference in money. And this this isn't good. With that amount of uh, space in between money and arbitration hearing right around the corner, I don't think they're going to be able to figure that out in a couple days here. So if they go to arbitration, it could get ugly. Arbitration is a player seeking this amount of money and the team wanting to give them less money and the player wants more. If they can't agree, they go to an arbitration hearing where a third party is going to determine whether or not that player has deemed themselves worthy of that contract amount or not. So I'd say about 95% of the time, the team and the player figure it out before going to arbitration. But the other 5% of the time when they do go to arbitration, it gets pretty ugly because it's the player saying, this is why I think I'm deservant of this money. And then the franchise, the team, your bosses or whatever are arguing that and saying that no you're not worth that money we think you're worth this amount of money so that kind of argument can lead to some bad relationships down down the line immediately it can lead to some arguments and yeah just all around ugliness so me as a as a fan of the Leafs and everything and a fan of Samsonov I would really, really want them to avoid uh, an arbitration hearing it's it's probably not going to be good I imagine it's going to make someone very upset. Let's say Sansonov gets what he wants and they're going to award him a $4.9 million contract. The Leafs are not in a position to sign him to that. They're already over the cap, so would they, they could walk away from that. He is restricted free agent still, I believe, so he could be traded. And that would, be, that would put the Leafs in a really, really bad bind. I mean, uh, they could trade him. A team could offer sheet him potentially. And uh, yeah, so... And then on the other side of it, if if it goes the Toronto Maple Leafs way and the arbitrator awards a $2.4 million contract to Samsonov, that's going to make him a little bit salty. I mean, he had a good season. Honestly, I feel like they're both a little bit over. I think 4.9 is out of control. That's way too much. You don't have the track record. You had one pretty good season. That's not enough for us to give you that much money. And then 2.4, I feel maybe is a little under. So I think maybe like a 3.25, somewhere in there, one to two year deal. I think they can get something like that done potentially, hopefully without going to an arbitration hearing. Um, Generally, I I can't really recall many of them, but I feel like the arbitration generally will go with one of the two numbers. I don't know if they generally will find uh, a middle spot. In that argument, but um, yeah, this is this is not good. So this has been kind of going on. I think, I think there's only two players left uh, in arbitration. I can't remember the other one, but all I'm focused in on is Samsonov. So again, if Samsonov is not awarded the money that he feels he's deserved, 
And if it goes there, I mean, that's half of what he feels he's he's worth. So is that going to hurt him mentally? Is that going to change how he feels about playing for the organization? I mean, I don't know the guy personally. I'm not inside of his head. But I feel like if if he wasn't awarded it, I feel like he would probably, you know, bite the bullet, you know, take the contract, do what he's got to do, play through it, and then probably leave. I, I don't think if... He'll find the money somewhere else. He'll go to free agency and get that money. Leafs, at this point, they are trying to squeeze as as good of a deal out of certain players because apparently, like, trying to get a good deal out of the core four is just, like, not, not going to happen. Like, it sounds like they want to give Austin Matthews any amount of money that he wants. Like, here's a blank check. Write what you want on it. And that's not, that's not how you're going to create a championship team right here. But... We'll just have to wait and see until things get signed and everything, but that is currently going on right now. I mean, as of I, they could they could figure it out as I'm recording this. Who knows? But that is the news that I am hearing as of right now. So, what do you think is going to happen with Samsonov? Is he going to sign? Are they going to go to arbitration? And is this relationship going to get ugly? We'll have to see. But I'm hoping that they can get it resolved without anybody getting too angry or burning too many bridges. So, yeah. So, let's move on from that scary little bit of news. It's, it's, we'll be okay. Let's move on to something else. Uh, we got Nike is ending their sponsorship with Hockey Canada. So, that's kind of uh, back to uh, the whole Hockey Canada controversy that has been going on. I mean, we still haven't gotten... Uh, what do you call it? The the names of the players that are involved. Apparently, that is incoming at some point quite soon. Some people have already speculated which names the are going to come out, but I'm not saying anything until it's official. So uh, the fact that they lost Nike, uh, it's definitely a big blow to Hockey Canada. They still have other sponsorships and everything. It's not like Hockey Canada is over, but they're going to have to rebuild their relationship and their their standing in the community and you know as an organization so they're gonna have to keep their noses fucking clean for a very long time and i hope this is a big slap in the face for all of those people who thought they can get away with that kind of stuff and yeah so hopefully they lose some money on those big bonuses that they're going to be getting let's move on to something a little bit nicer so Calgary Flames fans, we got some good news finally for this offseason. Mika Kaprasov is going to be having his number 34 retired by the Flames on March 2nd, which happens to be my buddy's uh, birthday, and he lives in Calgary. So, yo, Kyle, you should probably go to that game because Mika Kaprasov, I think he's my second favorite goalie of all time behind Ed Belfour. I absolutely adored Kaprasov, man. Kippa, I mean, oh my goodness. He's such a fantastic goalie. I dreamed so much uh, at the end of his career there where um, there's a lot of speculation and rumors that Kiprasov was possibly on his way to Toronto. I don't think he wanted to leave Calgary at that time, but oh my God, dude, I would have gone absolutely crazy if he played a season or two with the Leafs. I would have gotten a Leaf jersey with his name on it. I could still get a Flames jersey with his name on it. I mean, he's the one of the best goalies. You know, you got Vernon right there, but Kiprasov arguably the best if not one of the best goaltenders in flames history i just love that guy he's just, he's so freaking cool the name what a sick name kiprasov like oh my goodness so congratulations to kiprasov i am going to be very excited to see him back in calgary and i hope everybody goes nuts for him i would love to be there that would be amazing but big congratulations to Mika kiprasov and that is freaking awesome Speaking of awesome, they got uh, we got some news here from the Seattle Kraken. They are extending head coach Dave Haxtell through the 25-26 season, and that is nice. I mean, Dave Haxtell, I mean, love him or hate him, yeah, I mean, he had a kind of a rough start. He came into the NHL with a lot of hype. He had a pretty good AHL coaching career, I do believe, prior to that. Came in, he wasn't a very good coach. I think he was the coach of the Flyers. That didn't go well. He became assistant coach of the Leafs. That didn't go so well. Became the head coach of the Kraken. The first year, didn't go so well. But then last season, they have an incredible bounce back season. I think it was like 40 plus points uh, over their first season. They make it into the playoffs. They upset the Colorado Avalanche. They almost get to the finals. I mean, goddamn. So I think at this point, pretty well deserved. It seems like now... Hackstall's kind of gotten his system into Seattle. Things are settling down a little bit. And, I mean, what he got out of players like um, 
oh, what do you call him, uh, Daniel Sprong, and uh, the one that they got from Nashville, his name is Tolvanen, maybe? Regardless, what he was able to do with those players on the fourth line where they get like eight to ten minutes a game, but they're getting a point every single time. Very, very impressive right there. So, well off for Dave Haxtell. Good for him and the Seattle Kraken. Hopefully, it wasn't a flash in the pan last season. They just kind of caught some teams by surprise, and maybe there's going to be a little bit more focus on the Kraken this season, not just take them not so seriously, but we'll have to wait and see. And back to the sad news. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's sad, but with, like, silver lining, I guess. So Alex Galchenyuk, last week we talked about uh, his arrest and all that stuff. So it's come out that, you know, he was definitely under the influence of alcohol and all that stuff. Very unfortunate. But he is putting himself in the player assistance program. So that is a great first step to admitting that there is a problem. And I don't know, you know, he could have been forced into it, but I doubt it. I'm, I'm not saying that. But regardless, very good for him to take that step. It's a very important step to get help when you need it. And hopefully this is going to be the beginning of Alex Galchenyuk turning it around. Maybe he can find a home in the NHL again. It might take a minute, but uh, just get the help that he needs. So good for Alex Galchenyuk and seeking that help. So hopefully he will be back uh, soon. But, you know, don't rush yourself. Get the help. You know, take your time with it, and we'll hopefully see him back in the NHL soon. So, that's all the big news that I got right now. Let's talk about some signings that have taken on. So, I feel like we stopped somewhere around, um, like, Ty Smith and Lavoie. So, I believe after that, we had the Tanner Janot has uh, signed a contract extension with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So it's two years, $2.265 million per season. I mean, that's fine. Uh, Tampa, I know everyone's uh, all over Tampa about the Tanner Janot trade and how just bad that looked. They gave up the sun and the moon for the guy. He didn't really do anything for them. They ended up going down in the first round against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So... Yeah, maybe that that hits them a little bit in the mentality because, like, no one's lost in the first round to the Leafs in in a very, very, very long time. So there is that, but, I mean, thankfully, I'm imagining for Tampa Bay fans, they got him signed in for a little bit. It's two years, so, I mean, it it could, I mean, hopefully he can play up and uh, get back to where he was a couple of years ago with Nashville, where he was a 20-goal guy, looked really, really effective, and... I feel like Tampa is going to be able to deploy him a lot better this season. He's not just kind of get. He's going to have um, a little bit more comfort now. He's he's adjusted into the lineup a little bit more. So hopefully things work out here for Tanner Janot. If they don't, it's only a two-year deal. It's only two point two million dollars. So it's not the worst. I think he is going to be a fine player. Now it's just rather he's going to be a bottom six player for Tampa, or if he can crack into that top six. If he can crack into that top six, that two point two million is going to look fantastic. But that raise in two years is probably going to be uh, substantial. If he becomes a player that can maybe, I don't think he'll become a Tom Wilson or a Matty Kachuk type, but if he can be in that, uh, what do you call it, in that frame of a player, there's not many of them in the league. So if he can he can really earn a lot of money in, in terms of if he can become a very dominant power forward in the league. So that's pretty cool for Tampa. We got Alexei Torpachenko, St. Louis, re-signing him for two years, $1.25 million. He's only 24 years old, so uh, probably looking to see if he can get somewhere into the lineup here, but it's a variable contract if he doesn't. Minnesota re-signs Brandon Duhame, one year, $1.1 million. Anaheim re-signs goaltender Lucas Dostal for a two-year deal, $800,000. So this is good. Um... Lucas Dostal could potentially be the goaltender of the future for the Anaheim Ducks. We're still waiting to see what's going to happen with John Gibson. He claims he wants to be traded. We're still waiting for that trade to happen, potentially. I don't know if it's going to happen this offseason. It may be something that happens once the season starts. We'll have to wait and see. But regardless, Lucas Dostal on a two-year deal. He could potentially be the backup goaltender this year. They lost the Lars, I believe. So Dostal could be... The answer there is the backup goaltender, and if he has a really hot start, maybe they're much more... I mean, I don't think they're 
planning on holding on to Gibson. Uh, if he wants to go, I think they're going to do that for him and send him off. But if Dostal has a great start, it's probably going to ease that pain a little bit of Gibson leaving. Because I think Gibson is a fantastic goaltender. He's just been absolutely shelled and outworked or overworked and just doesn't have a good defense in front of him for so many years. So he just gets burnt out pretty quickly. But for, I would say, the last three or four years now, John Gibson has started the season fantastically there's at least the two or three years now he's been doing that but then he just dives off of a cliff so pretty good signing right here for Dostel important for Anaheim you got Arizona re-signing Ivan or Praz okay one year they didn't give a cap hit on that one we got uh, quite a bit of minor league deals right here. You got Linus Weisbeck, uh signing with Buffalo. Morgan Barron gets a two-year deal, $1.35 million for Winnipeg. He's 24 with the whole shift here in Winnipeg. Potentially, I don't. Uh, we haven't seen yet where Shifley is going to go, if they are going to move him just yet. But, you know, there is a big shift here in Winnipeg. Maybe Morgan Barron can find a bigger role on the team this year. That would be nice for them. We got three signings here from Boston. They signed goaltender Michael DiPietro. Uh, I, I don't think he will be cracking their lineup. More than likely going to be playing in the in the minor leagues. You got Alec Rugula, one-year league men. Riley Walsh, one-year league men. These are all young players, more than likely going to be playing in the AHL. Arizona resigns Matthias Michelli, three-year deal, $3.425 million per season. So this is actually a pretty good deal. Now, this player, he does play for Arizona, so there's probably not a whole lot of um, knowledge behind this player, but Michelli's a pretty damn good player right here. He's 22 years old. He played quite well for Arizona last year, and I'm expecting... Let's just take a look at the stats that he put up last year. All I know is that he's a pretty damn good player. So, in 64 games last year, he got 11 goals, 38 assists. So, there's nothing wrong with that, playing on a not the best team, and they are adding in some players. So, I'm expecting more points and a bigger role for Michelli. That three-year deal could look really, really nice. We got John Ludwig and Casey Fitzgerald signing, uh, I imagine, league minimum deals here with Florida. Oliver Wallstrom gets a just, well, 875 uh, one-year extension with the Islanders. Really been waiting and waiting for Wallstrom to bust out. He looks like he could be an excellent goal scorer. When he first got drafted, people were talking about a 30-goal guy, and I just think it's possible that... He just got drafted to the wrong team and the wrong system. If he were somewhere else, be a good chance that he would be a a goal-scoring contributor on a different team. But he is with the Islanders. They don't really focus much on goal scoring. But um, really hoping that this will be the year for Wallstrom. I always pick him up in fantasy, hoping that, like, oh, this is going to be the year that he busts out for, like, 65 points, like 30, 35 goals. That'd be fantastic. But he is 23 now, so we're getting close to... You know, it's uh, maybe not working out with Oliver Wallstrom, but I am rooting for that player because I really like him. We got Colorado with a pretty big signing here. Ross Colton gets a four-year deal worth $4 million. Uh, He was one of the players on his way to arbitration, but they worked that out. Not a bad deal, man. Not a bad deal. Ross Colton, a very important player on the Tampa Bay Lightning during their whole fucking Stanley Cup run and Colorado adding him to their lineup I mean yeah I really really like that it's four years um with the salary cap going up I imagine it's going to be pretty good he's more than likely going to have a bigger role with the Colorado Avalanche than he did with the Tampa Bay Lightning he had 16 goals 16 assists last year 81 games so it's not like the most eye-popping stats, but he definitely brings a a lot more than just points. He's going to be hitting. He has a lot of aggressiveness. He's a really, really, really good little player. So not a bad signing right there for Tampa, or uh, not Tampa Bay. I, I imagine the Tampa Bay fans are quite sad that they lost Ross Colton. So pretty good for them. We move on. The Islanders uh, re-sign Jacob Skerek for league minimum two years. That's a goaltender. We got, oh, wow, that is a name and a half. Let's try this one out. Here we go. Uh, Jeremy Biakabutuka. Hell yeah. Uh, That's his entry-level deal. Congratulations. Welcome to the NHL. Uh, Noah Warren also signs his entry-level deal. And then you got Thomas Nosek signs a one-year deal, $1 million with the New Jersey Devils. 
just that I imagine just a little bit of depth right here. New Jersey looks absolutely stacked at this point. They are a lot of people are very, very, very high on the uh, what team was I just talking? New Jersey. There it is. Holy crap. It's been a week. Okay, folks, it's been a hell of a week. Okay, so with that being said, let's go over and we're going to go to cap friendly and we're going to take a look at a couple of teams. So last week we talked about uh, the Buffalo Sabres, Ottawa Senators, and the Detroit Red Wings. And we're looking at maybe which of those three teams uh, has a really good shot at making it into the playoffs this year. So with that being said, if one of those teams or more than one of those teams are going to be making it into the playoffs, that's going to mean that someone's going to have to come out of the playoffs, right? So we're going to be taking a look at the Boston Bruins. I know that's quite laughable. We will get to that uh, because, well, I'll save it until we get there. But the Bruins are definitely going through a pretty big change right here, though they did just come off the greatest NHL season of all time. I'm not saying they're missing the playoffs. We're just going to take a look and see what the team looks like right now. So up front, you got David Pasternak signed until the end of eternity. Nothing really wrong with that. You still got Brad Marchand on his incredible deal, $6 million. He is 35 years old now, but... I, and he has double hip surgery, so, I mean, it didn't look like he had it last year. He didn't look like he missed much of a step. I was ac absolutely stunned at how quickly he got right back into the lineup when he was doing his thing. Uh, so, Brad Marchand still going to be there. Is this the is this the last year we see Brad Marchand at over a point a game? Is this where it begins to fall off for him? Or does he just continue on being Brad Marchand? They got Charlie Coyle. As of right now, it looks like between Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka as their top uh, center, and I would have to say that neither of those two uh, would be a first-line center on many or any teams at this point. Pavel Zaka, I mean, he's young. He's never really been given that role. He has a sixth overall pick in his draft. Uh, that was quite a while ago. He did decent for the, for the Bruins last year, but if he's going to be their top-line center... It's going to be a little bit difficult for the Bruins, right? And or Charlie Coyle. Like, they're fine players. It's just like, I wouldn't be putting them up on the top line. So, they have those two guys. They're locked in for quite a bit. I mean, Zaka's got four more years. Charlie Coyle's got three. Jake DeBrusque, he's on one more year for $4 million. He's had a love-hate relationship with the Bruins. He wants out. He wants to stay. He wants out. He's staying again. So, I mean, he had a quite nice season for himself last year. So... I mean, if he continues to have a good season, I think he'll probably want to stay. But if things get ugly, he's going to want to get the hell out of here. They got the new addition in Morgan Geeky. He is listed as a center right wing, but again, not a player, even if they did want to play him at center. Not a top line center in the NHL, I wouldn't think, but he signed for two years. They got JVR and Milan Lucic, new additions, uh, coming in for a million dollars apiece. I mean, JVR, if deployed properly, could be pretty effective for effective for the Bruins. He's a great power play guy, at least when he was he was for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I don't really recall uh, him having very much success there going back to Philadelphia, but... I mean, the Bruins more than likely know what JVR is all about. He's a net front presence kind of guy, great on the power play, horrible defensively, but paying him a million dollars, I mean, nothing wrong with that. And then Lucic, I mean, Lucic is the most Bruin Bruin ever, and he's coming back. So that's going to be a lot of fun for the fans, at least. Don't know how many points he's going to be putting up, but it is what it is. They got Patrick Brown, Jesper Bobquist, Jason Magna, AJ Greer, Trent Frederick, who is still restricted free agent. They're still looking to sign him. And I imagine they're going to really want to get him signed. So not the greatest forward group. I mean, David Pasternak, one of the best goal scorers in the in the league right now. He could win the Rocket this year. He scored 60 goals right, right behind McDavid. Brad Marchand, like I said, he is a great player, but he is 35 now, so are we going to start seeing a dip on that player? And then, I mean, their center depth, it's not great. I mean, they have solid centers, but no one that you would really want to put on your top line. And even arguably, is Charlie Coyle or Pavel Zaka even a second-line center? I mean, that's up for debate. So not the greatest uh, forward group that I'm looking at right here. Defensively, pretty nice defense. You got... Uh, McAvoy, he's fantastic as long as he can stay healthy. Hampus Lindholm, I mean, he's been really, really good for the Bruins. He is locked in for eternity, but if he can keep playing the way that he's played, I don't think there's really any problem with that. Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzlick, or sorry, I mean, Carlo is still signed in, so 
Uh, McAvoy, Lindholm, and Carlo are signed uh, long-term, four-plus years for all of them. And then after that, everybody's on one-year deals. You got one more year of Matt Grizzlick, one more of Forbort, uh, Jacob Zaborl, who I don't even know is going to crack their roster this season, and Ian Mitchell. Oh, and they also have Kevin Shattenkirk. So all of those guys are on one-year deals. I mean... It's not the worst thing to have one-year deals on your team. Uh, Players tend to play better when they're on a contract year, so they have a lot of people on contract years, so maybe it'll play into their benefit. And then, of course, they have the really strong goaltending tandem of Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman. Swayman still needs to get signed, so they're going to need to do that at some point. Let's see, how much cap space do they have left here? If I can figure out how to do that. Okay, so they have about five and a half million dollars, and I think you'd be able to get both Swayman and uh, Frederick signed under that. You're definitely going to have to get Swayman on a bridge deal to get uh, him under the salary cap. He's pretty damn good. Now, are you going to get um, what Linus Allmark did this season that he did last season? More than likely not. That was kind of a everything I mean the whole team as a whole everything kind of went perfectly for them so I think without question it's easy to say that they're going to drop off in points but by how much like for them to drop off out of the playoffs they're gonna have to like go down by like 40 plus points that doesn't tend to happen and it is the Bruins I I definitely have learned my lesson a little bit by uh, underrating the Bruins so I mean they still could potentially bring back Bergeron and or Krejci somehow if that could happen. I, I really can't see it happening without them trading out some money somewhere. But yeah, man, so that's the Bruins right there. Let's go take a look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you're two-time Stanley Cup champions over the last decade, and they have slowly been losing those pieces as the years have gone oh, gone through or whatever the fuck. Now Kalorn is out. They lost Ross Colton. So what does this team look like right now? Well, forward-wise, you're still looking quite nice. You still got Nikita Kucherov signed for four more. Braden Point signed for seven more. Steven Stamkos, this is his last year at the $8.5 million cap hit. He's 33 years old now, so I don't know if Steven Stamkos would get a... I, that's a tough one, eh? Do you think Steven Stamkos is going to get more money or if he's going to stay in and around the same or is he going to take less to try and keep the team going? He already took a discount the last time he signed his big contract, 8.5. I think that whole entire... That was a great signing. I think they got more than enough bang for their buck out of that one. And uh, I guess it kind of comes down to what Steven Stamko is going to do this season. He's been putting up fantastic seasons over the last couple of years. Really has bounced back uh, now that he's nice and healthy. It's really good to see Stamkos, uh, you know, living up to that number one overall pick. It's just, now there's nothing against him uh, skill-wise. There's just a lot of unfortunate injuries has uh, hampered some of his uh, seasons there. But Steven Stamkos still here. Anthony Sorelli. Locked in for a eight-year deal, kicking in this year. Uh, Nick Paul is here for six more years. Tanner Janot just locked in for another two years. Connor Sherry, Brandon Hagel is uh, da, da, da. yeah, he's he's got one more year left. He's going to be restricted next year. He's going to be looking for uh, a pretty good raise. Josh Archibald, Michael Essamont, Luke Clendenning, Logan Brown, Alex Beret Boulet. That's a hell of a name. Uh, kind of rounding out the depth right there. On t- well, let, so in terms of their offense, one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, their top six. Put Paul down. You bring up Brandon Hagel. It's still a pretty good top six. It's a little light in terms of their bottom six. That's where they're going to be taking the major hits. You don't have your Ross Colton's down there no more. You don't have Kalorn down there. You don't have Belmar on your fourth line. So their third and fourth line are going to be the ones that take a hit here. But you still got Nick Paul down there. More than likely, you're going to see someone in that bottom six on Tampa kind of bust through and put up bigger numbers. That's kind of been the way that Tampa's been running over the last few years. Just, uh, you know, they bring up guys from the AHL and they just produce. They're very good at integrating AHL players into their system pretty much flawlessly. It's uh, always been pretty good for them. They have a Luke Clendenning. I mean, he's a pretty good depth player. He had um, a decent run with Dallas last year. He had some pretty good moments. It's not a bad forward group. I mean, you got some pretty, like, that core is still very, very deadly with Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Sorelli. Pretty damn good. Defense, we got... 
Mikhail Sergachev, who is starting his eight-year deal, $8.5 million, not bad. And Victor Hedman's still here, you know, didn't have the greatest year last year, especially up to Victor Hedman's standards. I imagine he would bounce back. He's 32 years old now. Uh, you're starting to get on the uh, the higher end in age, but it is Victor Hedman. He has a lot of hard miles on that body, so... Maybe we start seeing Hedman's point production starting to go down, but I think that that defensive ability is always going to be there with Victor Hedman until he retires. So still going to be a very, very effective defenseman, but are his Norris days behind him? It's possible. I'm not going to say he's officially done just yet. It's Victor Hedman, and I love that guy. Eric Cernak still here. He's starting his eight-year deal at 5.2. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a horrible deal, but um, we'll see how that one goes. You got Nick Perbix, who's going to be looking at a bigger role this year for sure. He looked like he was quite doing quite nicely last year, so he's still on a uh, low-cap hit deal. You got Zach Bogosian still here. They brought in Calvin DeHaan, Hayden Fleury, and then Darren Radish is still here, who I thought was a forward. Did he change to a defenseman at some point? But yeah, so I mean, that top four, as long as Perbix can take that next step their top four is not bad Zach Bogosian Calvin DeHaan you could do worse to ha- on that bottom six but you could do you could definitely do better but I like Calvin DeHaan I've always wanted the Leafs to sign him I loved Zach Bogosian when he was there as a Leaf and he's been a very serviceable Tampa Bay Lightning and then of course you have the goaltending Andre Vasilevsky I mean One of the best goaltenders in the league. Top three goaltender. Still locked in for five years. He's only 28 years old, which is amazing. He seems like he's been... Like, he could literally go on for 10 more years. I can see him playing till he's 38. And if he retired tomorrow, he is probably a Hall of Famer already. So, they have Vasilevsky. He didn't have the, you know, over-the-top crazy Vasilevsky season, but maybe without a uh, massive playoff run under his belt this season, maybe he had a little bit more uh, rest, maybe he's going to come back and just dominate the league again. I did say that last year, but we'll have to wait and see. And then in terms of their backup goaltender, this is where I think they may need to try and find something out there because right now they have Jonas Johansson, who I don't know who this is. I have not heard of this player. He's 27 years old. He's signed on a league minimum deal. So I don't think they have like the full intentions of using this goaltender as their backup goaltender. I imagine they're looking to sign somebody else out there, but obviously they do not have any cap space. So I believe at this point they're over the cap. So that is a a current problem that they're dealing with. Hence why they've been kind of letting players go over the last couple seasons. Cause that's just kind of how it goes when you're good players are going to get paid. And then eventually you're going to hit a wall and you're going to have too many players wanting money. You're going to have to get rid of them. So I mean, overall, I could still see Tampa Bay and Boston making it. It's just going to depend on all the other teams around them. Like, is Ottawa finally going to take that step? Is Buffalo going to take a step? Is Detroit going to take a step? We'll have to wait and see. I don't think Tampa Bay is done, but I I don't know, man. They're pretty stuck. Like, there's really not a whole lot that they can really move off of right here, but... We'll have to wait and see. I think they really, really need to have a a backup goaltender if they're going to have a really successful deep playoff run. Like, if they're going to make it into the playoffs, they're going to be playing Vasilevsky. Like, with that backup goaltender, you're probably looking at, like, 65, 70 games out of Vasilevsky, and that's just not uh, the way to necessarily win championships anymore in this league. They're kind of moving on to a two, even three goaltender system now. So the days of goalies playing 70 plus games are virtually done, but it is Vasilevsky. So if he plays 70 games, wouldn't necessarily be shocked, but we're going to see. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for Tampa Bay to find some money and get some good cheap depth in there, but they still are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They still got that championship pedigree, so I'm not counting them out just yet, but curious to hear what do you guys think. Do you think Boston's going to fall out, or do you think Tampa Bay is going to fall out? Do you think any of those three, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, do, do they have the squad to knock out any one of those three teams? Last week, I talked about it, and I felt like Ottawa has the strongest team, but they also kind of have the shakiest um, environment, you know what I'm saying, with the whole new ownership thing and the whole not necessarily knowing the future 100%, but if they could figure everything out now, they got the new owner, everything's going to start falling into place to Brincat's gong, they got that 
fucking gray cloud gone. They don't have to worry about it. So maybe things can get a little bit more focused this year for Ottawa. They need to get some injury luck and, and not have major players go down, but it's going to be really interesting to see. This could be a big shifting year for the NHL. So I'm curious to see if one of those teams or two of those teams it's going to be fun. Maybe the Leafs fucking fall out because uh, who knows? What if they don't get Samsonov and then they're really fucked? Okay, so speaking of really fucked, let's go back and <laughs> look at what predictions I had going into the 2022-2023 season. And we will start off with a couple of just weird predictions that I had. Uh, I predicted that Grubauer was going to be better. Now, I know that's not really saying a whole lot because Grubauer was so fucking terrible the first season in Seattle. So not I kind of said that out of out of a joke because I have been very much so a not Grubauer fan because he totally fucked my fantasy season the year I drafted him. And uh, yeah, I can't really forgive him for that, but he did. I think I was right on that prediction. He did play better, not a whole lot better. Like Martin Jones still was like the, the starting goaltender for the majority of the regular season. Now, Grubauer did win the job in the playoffs, and he did play good. He played good in the playoffs, admittedly. So there you go. That's something that I got kind of right. I also predicted that McDavid would get 138 points exactly. Oh, I was so close. I mean, he got more than that, which I don't think... I thought I was kind of pushing it at 138. I feel like the year before, I said he would hit 150 and... If I said it this year, I would have been damn close. I think he got 158 points. So I was off by 20, but not a bad prediction right there. Not bad at all. I also had a couple of goal-scoring predictions. I predicted that Kyle Connor would hit 50 goals this season. It didn't go down that way. I'm very sad. And I, I can't really see Kyle Connor hitting 50 goals this season either, uh, especially if Mark Shifley goes in, out. But we'll see. I mean, I was really, really hoping for, for Kyle Connor to get that 50. I'm... Really hoping he gets at least one in his career. The guy's awesome. Really like that player. And I guaranteed a 50-goal season for Austin Matthews. And that did not happen. I mean, he went... He. I mean, in his eyes, it was an offseason. He only got 40 goals, I think. So, yeah. So, I was wrong on that one. Now, let's get into the super wrong predic prediction. So, we'll go into the awards. Uh, Jack Adams. <laughs> this one's good. Uh, I went in with the nominations of DJ Smith. Good God Almighty. John Tortorella. I could not fucking believe I said that. I thought, wow. Uh, so that's horrific. I didn't choose them. And then I nominated also Bruce Cassidy. So there you go. I picked Bruce Cassidy. I was wrong. But uh, at least that one made sense. Holy fuck, dude. DJ Smith and John Tortorella. John Tortorella, dude? Wow. I was definitely pushing for, you know, a little bit of spice in my takes. But, um... Yeah, those were fucking god-awful. Frank J. Selke, this one's a little bit more respectable. You got Patrice Bergeron, Barkov, and Deneau. I picked Barkov, didn't get it. You know, it was kind of uh, obvious that Bergeron was probably going to get it here, but eh, it is what it is. Ted Lindsay, McDavid, Matthews, McCarr. I picked McDavid, nothing wrong with that. Hart, McDavid, I picked him. Also nominated Matthews and Shostyurkin. Uh Picked McDavid, I believe I was right on this one. Now, the Calder has me interested, so I must not have thought that uh, Matty Beniers was was going to be in contention because I didn't even talk about him, but I nominated McTavish, Owen Power, and Kent Johnson from Columbus. I was all over McTavish, bro. I thought he was going to be fucking incredible. I still think he's going to be incredible. It's just that Anaheim's had such an awful season, so he didn't really get to shine. I picked McTavish, but... Maddie Beniers was the one, but yeah, I went in with a lot of hopes for Owen Power as well, and I thought Ken Johnson was going to bust out, you know, be the partner for Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Lyonnais, who was going to be dope, but didn't quite go down that way. We got the Vesna I picked uh, for my nominations. Got Vasileski, Sorokin, and Shesterkin. I picked Vasileski, and I was not correct in that. I feel like I probably should have went with Sorokin right there, but I mean... Uh, Allmark getting it. I don't think anybody had Allmark on their radars going into that season. Uh, the William N. Jennings, I said, was going to go to Samsonov and Matt Murray of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's, that's cute. That's really cute. Uh, Norris, I selected Kale McCarr, uh, Victor Hedman, and Roman Yossi, kind of just going off of the prior year selection. I picked McCarr to win it. Wasn't correct. I 
definitely didn't have Eric Carlson on my radar whatsoever. We got the Rocket. Uh, we got Austin Matthews, Leon Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl, and Kyle Connor. I picked Austin Matthews. Obviously, that didn't go down. It was Connor McDavid. I, I don't think I would have ever predicted a 60-goal season out of Connor McDavid, in all honesty. I think 50. I, I, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I could see a 50-goal. But, Jesus, he, he almost got 70 this year. Like, I think he could now get 70 goals. I mean, why not? But that's who I picked. I picked Austin Matthews, and he did not get it. Art Ross, I picked McDavid. That's kind of an easy one, but I also nominated Dreisaitl. And I shouted out Kucherov, which I think was actually a good shout-out because he did bounce back. He had he was up in that top, I think he was in the top five for scoring. So not, not a bad. I really did feel that Kucherov was going to bounce back. So that was their president's trophy. I had the Panthers, giggity, Colorado, and the Edmonton Oilers. I chose Colorado because they were the Stanley Cup champions, and that was not correct. It was the Boston Bruins. Oh, God, here we go. So I'm going to play a little clip for everybody, and we're just going to take it in, okay? So let's have a listen. Cap space, they don't have any cap space, and I have the Bruins finishing outside of the playoffs. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you got to say about Bruins fans? I don't think you're going to make it. I think you're too old. I think the, the, the losses of Marchant on IR, McAvoy, and the other defensemen on IR, I think that's going to hurt you. In this division, it's such a tight division. You need to start off hot. You need to start off in the right way. I think the Bruins are going to start off slow, and I think they're going to start off slow enough that it's going to affect them for the whole season, and they're going to be battling. They're going to battle the whole season to get in there, but I think they're just going to miss out. I think the Ottawa Senators are going to have the momentum coming in. They're going to start out hotter than the Boston Bruins, and they're going to be able to. I think they're going to be able to hold on to that playoff spot, fighting, fighting their asses off. I think the Sens will beat out the Bruins, and and the Bruins will not make the playoffs this season. Yeah, so I definitely was a little bit wrong with my Boston Bruins take last year, but I mean, well, I, I, they were missing half their team going in. Like, I don't think anyone predicted the Bruins to fucking have the greatest NHL season in history. I mean, come on now. The team was not looking like, come on. I mean, fuck. It is the most Bruin thing for the Bruins to do that to me, to make me look like an absolute fucking shittiet. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to have to live with that one for the rest of my life. It's been, you know, my buddy Billy has been chirping me all throughout last year about my take about the Bruins missing it. I wasn't the only one, goddammit, who thought the Bruins were going to miss the playoffs, okay? But there was a lot of hype around the Ottawa Senators. There was a lot of hype around Detroit. And, fuck, I just don't like the Bruins, and I really wanted them to miss the playoffs. But, yeah, there they go. They had the greatest season ever. Allmark was amazing. He wins the Vesna. They got a fucking greatest coach aboard and like oh but but who gets the last laugh me you want to know why because they fucking had one of the most embarrassing fall apart playoff series ever blowing it in the first round against the panthers in fucking spectacular fashion so there you go uh bruins fans we're both idiots we both don't win and uh we could just move on and i will try my best to put a little bit of respect on the Boston Bruins name. So clearly that was uh, my worst prediction going into last season. Uh, in terms of the other Eastern predictions that I made, I had the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, wait, 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 wait. My uh, Stanley Cup pick last year was the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I had them going up against the Ed the Edmonton Oilers. I had Austin Matthews coming out of it with the Conn Smythe and the Stanley Cup. He was going to score 58 goals or some shit. And uh, yeah, that very much so didn't happen. But that's I always do that. I always, I always pick the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. I just have to. Because if, if I'm right, it's going to be the greatest feeling of all time. But obviously that didn't go down. But it did have the Leafs finishing second. In the regular season, I had Ottawa making the playoffs. That didn't go down. Now, maybe if Norris didn't get hurt and maybe some other injury luck, maybe someone, maybe the Senators would have gotten in there. But no, that didn't happen. We talked about the Bruins and how fucking dumb I was on that one. <laughs> Everyone laugh. Florida, I had first place. And uh, yeah, that was super wrong because they just barely made it in. But they did have a fucking good playoff run. So, I mean, not the worst prediction, I guess. Tampa Bay had third, Detroit sixth, and Buffalo seventh. Montreal last place. I think I might have been right on that one. I think 
I think Montreal was last place. So, hey, there's that. Uh, the other Eastern side, I got the Pens. I had the Pens making the playoffs. I couldn't bet against Sidney Crosby, and I, I was only wrong by a point. So, not that bad. I, I predicted that the Philadelphia Flyers were going to be god-awful. I got that one right. Columbus, a little bit wrong. I didn't have them making the playoffs, but I did have a major bounce-back season uh, for for Merz Lickens. That did not go down. I think he had a worse year last season than he, than he did the year prior. So that, w- that was very unfortunate. I was really, really rooting for Merz Lickens, so that one sucked. I did root against Ovechkin, though. I had the Washington Capitals missing the playoffs for the first time in a long time, and I was correct about that one. Carolina, first place, I think. No, they... Oh, I don't remember. Uh, New York Islanders, I had playoff bound. I really thought now that they... Well, the season before was just fucking bullshit. They didn't have an arena. They were on the road for, like, the first month and a half, and, like, yeah, but I really thought they would bounce back, get back into the playoffs. That didn't happen. New York Rangers, I had second. And then New Jersey, I had them missing the playoffs. I thought they would be better, but I didn't have them making it just yet. And wow, did they... I think... I mean, a lot of us had that prediction, right? I don't think very many people had the New Jersey Devils doing what they did. But I did predict that uh, Hughes was going to have a nice breakout season. 85 to 90 points. He had much more than that. So, yeah, there's that. That was nice. Good for him. In terms of the Western side... I had the Calgary Flames first place in the division. I was super high on the trades that they made and everything. I didn't think that the loss of Kachuk was going to be that bad. And yeah, the team kind of fell apart. Now, I think they would have easily made playoffs if they got rid of Sutter a lot earlier or whatever. But yeah, they they pulled that trigger way too late. They just missed the playoffs. So fucking super wrong on that one. Edmonton had second place. Los Angeles third place. And here's another bad one. I had the Vegas Golden Knights fifth place missing the playoffs. And I had no faith in their goaltending. Which, I mean, come on, dude. How can how can I do that after, after what Vegas did their first year when they used like seven goalies and they still almost won the Stanley Cup? And then this year, they basically do something very similar and win the Stanley Cup this time. So, super wrong in my opinions on Vegas, which is extremely unfortunate because, I shit you not, for at least the last three years, I picked Vegas to win the Cup on the Western side. So... Of course, the first year that I don't pick Vegas to come out of the West and win the Cup, they come out of the West and win the Cup. So there's a good slap in the face. I, um, oh boy. Vancouver I had making the playoffs, and I was super high on the Vancouver Canucks, which makes me giggle now in hindsight. But yeah, I thought Bruce Cass or uh, Bruce, Bruce Boudreau was going to fucking, you know, I thought the hype was going to be there. I thought everybody, everything was going to turn around. I bought into their late season kind of play the season before where they brought in Bruce and every, they're playing amazing, but it was the back half of the season where they're already well out of the playoffs and teams just weren't playing them all that hard. And then fucking the season started and they were god awful out of the gate. Absolutely god awful. Demko just fell off of a cliff they fired Boudreaux, so yeah, I was super duper wrong with Vancouver, but there was a lot of hype behind Vancouver with Bruce Boudreaux behind the bench. A lot of people felt like they were going to make it, but yeah, they were god-awful. I had Winnipeg missing the playoffs. I had Minnesota making the playoffs. St. Louis, I had second place making it into the playoffs. I've always been a pretty big on St. Louis. I think they have a really good squad, and I'm going to be big on them this into this coming season as well. I think they are poised for a nice bounce back, but it kind of all rests on the shoulders of Jordan Bennington and that defensive core. So we'll see. Not the best on the St. Louis. I had Dallas missing the playoffs, and that's only because at the time when I recorded that, uh, Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger were not signed. So I was going into the assumption that, hey, these guys might sign late, they're going to be behind, and then maybe they're going to have a slow start and they're going to miss. Very wrong about that one. Robertson didn't miss a beat. He had a fucking incredible season. Ottinger, he signed as well. They, Oh, yeah, yeah. So super wrong on that one. I had Seattle not making the playoffs. I felt they were going to be better than their first year but not enough to make it into the playoffs, so that was wrong. Nashville, I had third place and making the playoffs. I don't know what I was fucking smoking. I was definitely super high on Soros, and I felt like 
he could definitely drag that team there. I like their defense. I thought they had good defense. Adding in McDonough was a good move, but no, Nashville, you know, they were competitive, but they weren't, they didn't make it. So that was wrong. And then I had Colorado first place. I mean, kind of a fair choice. They were a very good team. I mean, I should have known better with the loss of Kadri. That was uh, quite a big blow to them because Kadri, goddamn, he was excellent for them. And then kind of the free space picks, Chicago, Arizona, San Jose, and the Ducks I had all missing. So that is essentially all of my predictions that I could you know, go through. I I tried my best to uh, go through those old episodes and try and find it. Mental note to myself, I'm going to jot those down so I don't have to go through and and listen to my old episodes and and listen to how bad my old takes were. I'll just write them down this year so I don't have to do that. But yeah, I think that's going to be it for me this week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are awesome. And uh, you can go back and listen to uh, this week's GX GamerCast. It was one of the Versus episodes. I was looking back at some of the biggest years in gaming, putting them up against each other. 1998 going up against the year 2004. Which year in gaming was better? Well, you're going to have to go over there and listen to it and find out for yourself. And that is going to be a a Versus series that I'm going to continue doing on. I'm going to do more years of gaming versus each other. Not, I like to try and do a Versus one a month. Try, try for one a month. That, that seems to be pretty good. Maybe a top 10 once a month, and then we'll do two other ones. But uh, next one's going to be a fun one for the gamer cast. I'm not going to tell you what game it is, but it is a game from my past, a... Uh, a so good it's bad kind of game so I'm going to have a lot of fun with that episode it's going to be episode 50 for the GamerCast so yay that's that's kind of cool I've been doing this podcast now for over a year so yay there's also that so again thank you everybody who have been here from the beginning the ones that listen through the whole entire episode download every episode you in particular my friend Fuck yeah, you're awesome. Thank you so much for listening and being here and supporting the podcast. You can rate it. You can leave your comments if you have questions for the podcast related to video games, wrestling, or hockey. Be my guest. I definitely encourage sending your questions. Be a part of the show. I can answer your questions live on the podcast, read your comments, and all that great stuff. It'll be a lot of fun. A uh, great place to leave the comments. You can I upload the podcast to YouTube now, so you can leave comments and questions on the YouTube videos. You can send in your questions on Twitter. Uh, I also have an email address as well. So if you want to have personal conversation, private conversation, it's my door is open. I welcome all of you. So as long as um, as 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 long as you're nice and everything, okay. So uh, you can also check out other videos on the YouTube channel. I've been playing through Batman Telltale series. I should be starting that up again pretty soon. Just taking a little break from that. And what else do we got on the docket? We're going to be doing the WrestleCast, as always, on Sunday. And yes, so there you go, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Make it through whatever you're doing today. Rather, you're fucking going through the monotony of work or you're doing some housework around the house. Or if you're just chilling, listening to my soothing voice again. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. You're so close to that weekend. And we'll be back again with more GX Plus Cast. 